journey, tedious journey. Alienated from this world, and I'ma be set apart and be Get your house in order by Brother Tim Aaron. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order. For you shall die, you shall not recover. 2 Kings 22 verse 1, ESV. Brother Tim Aaron brings the word of God for the end time. You can find more information about Brother Tim Aaron at www.thefinthenightministries.com. And here is Brother Tim Aaron. Glory to glory to glory to God. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for tuning in to another broadcast of Get Your House in Order. I'm your host, Tim Aaron. Hopefully you have been uh, tuning in, listening to, to my teachings, to my shows. Hopefully you have found them to be uh, at least challenging uh, to some of the theology you have probably been taught your whole life. Hopefully I have uh, challenged you to pick up the Bible and study more. Um, hopefully uh, the teachings have fed your faith and increased your faith. Uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, hopefully you have found it to be beneficial. Uh, thought-provoking, challenging, iron sharpeneth iron, uh, all those things. Um, once again, I'm your host, Tim Aaron, and I'm, I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're tuning in. Hopefully you are telling family and friends about the show uh, so that we can uh, uh, start a larger and larger conversation uh, as we go on and as we get closer to the day of the Lord. Uh, this ministry loves talking about the end times. Um, end times is, is uh, my favorite topic now. Uh, it seems like the Holy Spirit, as we get closer to the end times, the Holy Spirit is beginning to unveil and unlock and unravel the riddles and the mysteries of the book of Revelations and of Daniel uh, to his people. Um, I believe it was in Daniel chapter 12, Daniel was seeing these things, but he didn't know what they meant. And he asked the angel, what did they mean? And the angel said, it's not for you to know now, Daniel, but not until the time of the end. Uh, so just wait until the time of the end. And then these things will begin to make sense is basically what he was saying. So you have to understand that. Even Daniel himself did not know what these things meant back then because it wasn't for him to know. And uh, but now that we are approaching the time of the end, uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is starting to unlock a lot of these mysteries of the book of Revelations and of Daniel and other other prophecies of the end times throughout the scripture. I'm finding out more and more that. Uh, in the Gospels, the Gospels are very much in time prophecies as well. Jesus is uh, leaving breadcrumbs and, and clues and information about the end times all throughout the Gospels. 
And uh, it's just been a, a fun ride so far. And I and I know I'm probably just scratching the surface. I know it's so much more that, uh, you know, I haven't seen yet. We haven't seen yet. And uh, so it's it's just been so much fun to me. And um, and I'm thankful to be a part of it. Um, but be- before I go any further, I always like to start the show with offering the listeners an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You know, in my circles, I find that people who who confess Jesus Christ as Lord tend to do better. That's just the bottom line. People who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior tend to do better. Uh, that doesn't mean they are rich, well-to-do. They don't mean that they're in the best health. It just means they tend to do better, better than they would if they didn't confess Jesus as Lord. There's something about that confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of my life. Is it something about that confession that can take you a long way, that can allow you to be more than what you could be without that confession and without that belief. About 2000 years ago, Jesus came to the world to redeem man back to God. He came through the Virgin Mary, through the door. He said, he that cometh any other way, the same as a thief and a robber. He's talking about Satan there because Satan didn't come into the earth through a woman like Jesus did. Jesus came the the legitimate way, uh, the natural way, and um, and he came, and he um, grew up under Joseph and Mary, and then at the age of around thirty years old, he started a ministry that would change the world forever. He was anointed of God, and he was doing all sorts of wonderful, amazing miracles. Some people teach that those things weren't really done. They were just metaphors. I don't believe that. You know, I'm like a child when it comes to the Gospels. I believe everything the Gospels say took place, took place. Whether you want to talk about walking on water, whether you want to talk about Jesus taking two fish and five loaves and feeding 5,000 people besides women and children, whether you want to talk about him opening blind Bartimaeus's eyes or the, or the, or raising the widow woman's son from the dead or, or whether you want to talk about, uh, Jesus turning the water into wine. Uh, the list goes on, you know, I believe in it all. And, and, uh, I believe it was a special time in world history. That's all it is to it. And, and the wonderful part is we're going to see another time like that. I believe in, in this lifetime, But before I get ahead of myself, Jesus was doing these wonderful works for about three and a half years. And over the course of that time, he made a bunch of haters because some people just don't like goodness. And some people just don't like righteousness. And um, so they conspired against Jesus and uh, lied on Jesus and had Jesus arrested. And but they didn't know they was really ushering Jesus into his purpose, into his calling. Um, 
So Jesus was arrested and he was mocked by the Roman police, the Roman soldiers. Uh, they spit on him. They slapped him. They punched him around. I mean, I mean, we're talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was doing this too. And then they eventually nailed him to a tree, to a cross, his hands and feet, placed a crown of thorns on his head till blood started running down his face. Then they hung him on this cross and um, they, 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 they whooped him. Uh, that's where we get the scripture by his stripes. We are healed. I believe they whipped him. I want to say 39 times. Um, when he was thirsty, he asked for drink and they gave him vinegar. And then that was it. Jesus died on the cross. And then they pierced him in the side till blood and water came out. He died on the cross for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10 and 9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Listen, it's just a matter of believing that Jesus is Lord of this world, even to this day. King of kings and Lord of lords. If you believe that he is Lord of your life and you accept that and you confess that, and you say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior and him alone I worship. There's no other way to God but through Jesus Christ. If you believe that, then you're saved. You're a believer. And it's the best confession. It's the best belief. It's the best choice you can ever make in your entire life. So if you made that decision, great for you. Not good for you, but great for you. Okay. Today, our focus scripture is going to be Revelations chapter 22 and 14. Revelations chapter 22 and 14. But before we go there, you know, I want to warn you about television culture. Television culture. You know, it's a it's a real problem today that I don't believe uh, we really understand. You know, there used to be a saying, um, you shoot for the sun, and if you miss, at least you're amongst the stars, right? And I believe that's Satan's motto as well. You know, Satan puts a lot of crap on television, some obvious, some not so obvious. And uh, I believe Satan is, is constantly putting crap on television around the clock so that if we don't fall for the obvious stuff, he will at least probably get us on the not so obvious stuff. And so I want to warn you about television culture. You know, a lot of people think, oh, television is just for entertainment. It's innocent. It's harmless. And Satan loves it when you believe that. He loves that. Because there's no way. I'm, I'm, listen to me. There's no way you can watch TV year after year, day after day, hours at a time throughout the day. Whether you want to talk about sitcoms 
whether you want to talk about reality television, uh, dramas, commercials, all of it, all of it has some kind of message in it, subliminal message, um, uh, background message. You know, it, it's, it's always laced with some kind of message that you might not pick up on and it, and it might be a seed planted in your heart. And um, and I believe it has a lot to do with the way we understand righteousness, with the way we understand truth. And, and, and most of the time, it does not line up with the truth and the righteousness of God. So I want to warn you that, you know, be mindful of that. Humble yourself. Recognize that you probably have been polluted by television since you were a little child watching TV, growing up, watching little cartoons as the Flintstones. Uh or Tom and Jerry, you know, Bugs Bunny. I mean, it's just been infiltrated throughout, you know, the the invention of television and radio for that matter. The songs we sing, you know, we sing a lot of times because they got a nice beat, but we don't really watch the words we are saying and 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 uh, meditating on, and uh, they become a part of of our train of thought of the way we think and the way we understand. And that's why I like what the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, he says, be not transformed. Now he says, uh, I beseech thee brethren by the mercies of God, uh, that ye present your body as a living sacrifice. He says, be not conformed to this world. Okay. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He is telling us that because that is the goal. That is the challenge that we are facing. Um, We have so many uh, misunderstandings thanks to television. Thanks to television. You know, television got away of making things that are not of God seem righteous, virtuous, uh, moral, ethical, you know, when they're not necessarily so. So I just wanted to put that out there, you know, recognize the power of television. I believe that's what uh, John is talking about sometimes in Revelations when he talks about how in Revelations 13, how the beast took on an image and life was given to that image. I think he's just talking about television when you read it. And um, so don't underestimate the power of television. You know, there was a time when it was uh, a great taboo uh, for a person to be gay or lesbian, but now television has changed that dynamic and has is now trying to paint a picture where that's wholesome and, and love is love and it's righteous and it's good because that's the power of television. It has a way of changing our minds about truth and righteousness. That's just one example. So, you know, keep that in mind. Okay. Revelations 22 and 14 is going to be our opening scripture. And then after we read that, we're going to uh, get into the fullness of 
the study today of the of the discussion today. Revelations 22 and 14. Um, you know, and it reads King James Version. Blessed are they that do his commandments. That they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Okay, let me read it again. Blessed are they that do keep his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Um, we saw also last week where it said the patience of the saints is to, as they keep the commandments of God in Revelation chapter 14. And so we touched on it a couple of weeks ago and, and maybe even last week. What are the commandments of God? Is it talking about the commandments that God gave Moses, the Ten Commandments and the law? No, it's not. It's not talking about that at all. And um, I'm going to show you that here in a second. But here in verse 14, he says, blessed are they to keep the commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Now, according to the book of Revelations, we, the saints, the people who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Um, we're going to rule and reign with Christ on the earth for a thousand years. And um, the Bible teaches that there's going to be a great city that's going to come down from heaven onto the earth called New Jerusalem. And this is the city that this verse is talking about. Now, this city, if you ever read Revelation chapter 21, it describes the city. This city is going to have four walls. And each wall is going to have three gates. So that's a total of 12 gates. Okay. Now you can say what you want about Donald Trump. You know, he his goal is to put up a wall. You know, I, I personally think that's a pretty good idea. Uh, Any time you have anything worth anything as far as property, most people put up a gate or a wall to section it off, to protect it, you know? So it, it's not a bad idea, in my opinion. And here, the same thing is true for this great city, New Jerusalem, that's going to come down from heaven and it's going to have a massive four-sided wall, four walls around this city. So, and he says, only the people who keep the commandments Will have, will have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Now, this wall, this city is going to have a wall around it. and It's going to keep the wicked out. Now, if you know anything about the end times during this thousand years, there's going to be millions 
of wicked, wicked people on the earth at this time. That's not going to be allowed inside the city. They're going to have to dwell on the outside of the city. And that's who we're going to rule and reign over. When uh, the Lord comes back in his second coming and he raptures up his church. Now, I know I just uh, stepped on some toes right there. Yes, I believe the rapture takes place at the end, not seven years before, not in the middle, but at the last day at his second coming in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. I believe the rapture takes place at the second coming of Jesus Christ. So I believe in a post tribulation rapture, you know, based on primarily John chapter six, verses thirty nine. 41, 44, and 54. Jesus says four times, all them that belong to him, he will lose nothing and he will gather them up again unto himself at the last day. He says it four times. He's being, he repeats himself four times. I re, I believe he is repeating himself four times because he knew that there was going to be a debate as to when the rapture is going to take place. So he says it four times, plain and clear. At the last day, he's going to gather all the all them that are his unto himself at the last day. Okay, so he's saying those that have accepted him as Lord and Savior will be able to enter into this city. And that's where we will have our place. This city is going to be huge. If you read Revelation 21. And, and you get down to the math and to the specs of this city. It's, it's a gigantic city that's going to be able to house all the saints with no problem, with no problem whatsoever. Plenty of space. We're going to have our own mansion, our own place in this city. And it's just going to be paradise for a thousand years for us. Now, them on the outside, and we're going to probably be able to have access access outside the city as well and as well as the inside of the city but the wicked they will never be able to enter in because they would be prisoners prisoners of war what war the battle of armageddon and uh it's scripture you know it's scripture uh daniel chapter 7 says uh the rest of the beast talking about the seven head ten horned beast he, he says the rest of the beasts, their life will be prolonged for a season and a time. Well, in, in, in Daniel, we know a time is one year. The season is a thousand years and the time is one year. And so um, the wicked, there will be prisoners of war, of the battle of Armageddon. Um, Jesus said in uh, Luke chapter 17. One will be taken and the other one left. This both parties are wicked. One will be taken to be slaughtered at the great wine press of the wrath of God. Okay. And they will be slaughtered and eaten alive by fowls of the air, owls, hawks, and ravens, and eagles, and all sorts of birds of prey, you know, in the most gruesome way. Some will be. Uh, dealt with on that wise. And then the ones that were left, they are going to be the prisoners of war. 
They're the ones that are going to suffer on the earth for a thousand years, a thousand years of hard labor. So that's what this scripture is referring to as far as the gates into the city, entering through the gates into the city. Okay. So that's why it's also a great reason to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior as well. Okay. Um, but I, now let's get back to they that do his commandments, the commandments of God. What are the commandments of God? The last commandment God gave the world, God gave man, the last commandment that God gave man, I believe was found in Matthew chapter 17. He did it also earlier in Matthew, but Matthew chapter 17, I believe is the last commandment God gave the world. And let's go there. Matthew chapter 17. And let's just uh, go ahead and read one through five. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to have been here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. While they, while he yet spake, while Peter yet, yet spake to Jesus, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, uh, which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Okay. Hear ye him. This is the last commandment God gave to the world. It's not about hearing Moses anymore. Moses was great for his time, but this is no longer Moses' time. It's not about hearing Elias, the prophet anymore, but it's about hearing Jesus, the son of God, the word of God made flesh. Okay. You have to understand this people because you still got people trying to please God by obeying the teachings of Moses. Moses' time is over. We need, and this is what my father used to teach religiously. It's about Jesus. We need to find out what Jesus said. We need to te- we need to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to find out. It's not about the Old Testament anymore. It's about what Jesus said. And Jesus had a lot to say. And that's what it's about when you become a Christian and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. If he's your Lord, that means He is over you. He is your master. And you have to find out what it is your master commands you or or ask of you. And Jesus had a lot to say. And um, so this is what it's talking about in Revelations 14 and in Revelations 22, when it talks about keeping the commandments of God, they that keep the commandments of God. 
And uh, it's talking about them that did what Jesus taught, what Jesus said, what Jesus commanded. And Jesus commanded us to do a lot of stuff. He commanded us to love our enemies. He commanded us to forgive. Um, he commanded us to turn the other cheek. He commanded uh, a lot of things. And one thing Jesus also said was, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He based love um, on us keeping his commandments. So love ain't about a feeling. It ain't about a warm feeling you get when you think about Jesus. No, it's about keeping the commandments of Jesus. He said, if you love me, you would keep my commandments. So <clears throat> this is the last commandment of God that we hear Jesus. Okay. And then Jesus also chose the apostle Paul after he died on the cross he chose Paul and he told the rest of the disciples to receive Paul. So we need to receive Paul's writings as Jesus's as well. So this is what it's all about. This is the new covenant, the new Testament. It's about what thus said the Lord Jesus. Okay. So, um, it's very important that we obey the commandments of Jesus Christ is it, priority number one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is his righteousness that we hear? Jesus, that's his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first. So pri priority number one, first and foremost, top of the list. What did Jesus say? You know, whatever situation you face in life, you have to figure out what Jesus said about it first before you make your decision, before you make your move. You know, and I was talking about television early. You know, I really feel like, you know, the I noticed a, a correlation between the divorce rate and television. You know, I believe television was invented and. In the and especially in America, I believe in the 1940s, maybe 50s, people begin to get a television. I believe they probably sat around the radio in the early 1900s for entertainment. Then television came on the scene in the 40s or 50s, and it seemed like as television advanced, decade after decade, the higher the divorce rate went. So that's why I said what I said at the beginning of the show. You know, you have to respect the power of television and don't downplay it at all. Recognize its capabilities, its its ability to brainwash, its ability to sow a seed in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, and to have you think in a certain way. Um, you know, there's just, there's just so much power behind television and Satan uses television to further his agenda. So I want to talk about uh, some of the commandments of the Lord, especially right now concerning marriage, because it seems like marriages are really, really bad today, uh, especially in the church. I wasn't I was I wasn't just talking about in the world, but in the church, you know, we have a high divorce rate among members, among, among deacons, among pastors. And it's it's uh, ridiculous. And the conclusion 
that I have drawn is people have not been delivered from from television wisdom. You know, television wisdom is there and present in their understanding and they apply it to their marriage and they don't understand. They have to uh, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have to detox from television culture, from television influence and understand that we have been getting it wrong and um, we shall know the truth and the truth will make us free. I believe that. I believe we have to get back to the Bible and quit compromising it because compromising the word of God helps no one. It's only going to hurt at the end and then there's going to be great penalties for, for compromising the word of God. I have discovered that that's what it really means to be a liar, according to the Bible. It's when you compromise the word of God. That's right. You know, the Bible doesn't consider you a liar. Um, if you tell the woman with the ugly dress on that she looks nice. No, you're just being nice. You're not a liar for that. Um, the Bible doesn't consider you a liar. Um, if you tell the thief that you call the police and you better leave before the police get here when you didn't, the Bible doesn't consider, consider you a liar for that. If you read the Bible, study the Bible, you find out that the people of God did that often. You know, when it came to their enemies, they falsified information. David did that. And Jesus talked about David in the showbread when he told the priest he, that the king had need of the showbread because he was hungry. He just needed some food and he knew the priest wouldn't give it to him because it was holy and it was for the priest only. And, and David was like, forget that, man, we need we need to eat. And so he he, he made up a story and Jesus brought it up and Jesus praised Peter for it. That's right. Or how about the women in Exodus chapter one? who when Pharaoh came up with the heinous and terrible law that every every man child born a woman of the Hebrews must be put to death because the uh, Egyptians were scared that the Hebrews were going to outnumber them and and they wanted to kill they wanted to abort abortion they wanted to kill uh all males born of women from that day forward and uh, the, the midwives falsified information and said, oh, we didn't we when we came in there to get the babies, the, the male babies. They were gone already. And uh, the, the, the Hebrew women are vigorous and they, they were able to push their babies out and hide them from us when it wasn't true. They just didn't want to do that. They didn't want to abort those kids, those those male children. And so they fabricated the story. Read it for yourself in Exodus chapter one. And guess what the Bible said? The Bible didn't say that God punished them for lying. No, the Bible said God blessed them and gave them children of their own. Now, you know, God hates all liars. So that's not the definition of lying, apparently. So what so what is the definition of lying then if God hates all liars or, or not? He hate he hates the a lying tongue. Excuse me. I got that wrong. 
He hates a lying tongue and he says all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. What does that mean? Well, I found the answer of what it truly means to be a liar. And that is in Proverbs chapter 30, verses five. It says, for the word of the Lord is pure. It is a shield unto them that put their trust in it. Add thou not to his word, lest he reprove you and you be found a liar, a liar. That's right. That's what it means to lie is to compromise the word of God. That's right. Okay. Understand that. So this is, this is what you ought to think about. Uh, not <clears throat> falsifying information on the application because you need a job, you know, you need a job. So what? Um, yeah, I graduated from high school, such and such when you did. No, wow. God don't even care about that. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. That's not what it means to be a liar. You're not going to go to hell for that. You're going to go to hell for telling the woman she can divorce her husband uh, because he cheated on her. That's what you're going to go to hell for, because guess what that does? That compromises the word of God, because Jesus said, let not the wife depart from her husband. But and if she does, let her remain alone or be reconciled to her husband. Jesus said, uh, but I say unto you that whosoever puts away his wife, except to be not husband, but wife, or he didn't say or spouse, but he said wife. You know, Jesus was being gender specific here for a very good reason. And I have heard in from my own ears, many pastors teach that Jesus was teaching this law for a spouse, not just for a wife, but for a spouse. And that compromises the word of God. That changed the whole dynamic of what Jesus was saying. And now we got this crazy high divorce rate that has led to so much pain and suffering uh, for the for the husband, for the wife, and for the children involved. That's why God hates a lying tongue. Because when you want to try to fix God's word up for God, as if his God, as if his word isn't already pure enough. Now you are a liar. OK, I almost got ahead of myself, but we're going to look at these scriptures a little closer. And um, you can see what I'm talking about. Let's um, let's just jump right into this uh, divorce topic here. Um, divorce is a really big problem in this country today, in the world today. And I remember watching a study, a show on CNN about it. And of course, you know, United States uh, uh, tends to lead the world in divorce by far. And um, that's not going to go uh, unpunished. You know, I just can't say it no more plainer than that. You know, that's a problem. That's a problem for the church. That's a problem for the believer. That's a problem for the Christian who claims that they keep the commandments of Jesus when they are not. Why? Because they probably have been uh, 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 affected by television culture and don't realize it. Got a way of seeing things. Okay. Let's look at a Matthew chapter five, <clears throat> verse 32. We're going to look at some new Testament divorce scriptures here. Um, Matthew chapter five. Verse 32, but I say unto you, 
that whosoever should put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Okay? Now that's that's heavy. That is heavy stuff. Alright? Now you have to understand uh, Matthew's account of this quote of Jesus is the only account where it gives the divorce exception. And it's only one. It's only one exception. Now, here's the thing about uh, exceptions. When you start, when you give, when you, when you give one exception, then you have to give them all if there's others. So if you stop at one, then that means there's only one. And that's the case here. Jesus gives only one exception for divorce. And let's read the scripture again. He says, but I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication. Now, just a second ago, I told you I've heard with my own ears, many a ministry, many of, of preachers stand on the pulpit, on the radio, on television. And say that a spouse, based on this scripture, that a spouse could put away a spouse for fornication. And that is a lie. That's not what Jesus said here. Jesus says, but I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife. Jesus is being gender specific here for a very good reason. <clears throat> He says, saving for the cause, except for the cause of fornication, that is the only exception. A wife that commits fornication is the only exception for divorce. Not she's gained weight, not she can't cook, not she don't look as good as she used to. Um, uh, any other reason is, is, is not a good reason. The only reason. <clears throat> excuse me is for the cause of fornication according to the scripture here now does that mean a wife could put away her husband for fornication no that's not what Jesus said he said only uh, he's teaching here only a husband could put away his wife for fornication well why the double standard well it's not a double standard it's simple the apostle Paul teaches us that the man is the head of the wife. And he also teaches that the woman was made for the man, not the man for the woman. That's that's verbatim. That's how he said it in, in Timothy and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says that the man is the head of the woman and that the, and that the woman was made for the man, not the man for the woman. Because of those factors, Jesus said, Matthew chapter five, verse 32, the way he said it, he says, but I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication causes her to commit adultery and whosoever shall marrieth her that is divorced committeth adultery. Now I just shared this with a brother about a month ago and he was astonished. 
And he did not realize that. He saw it just like most people see it today. And he thought that the scripture was teaching that a spouse can put away a spouse for fornication. And he was stunned. Now, this is why this is why I mentioned television culture, because this is what television culture does. It teaches us that, no, that's a double standard. So I can't mean that it, 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 it has to be fair. And so it has to mean a spouse could put away a spouse for fornication. Television culture does that simple and quick. You know, after watching TV for years after year after year and hours on at a time a day, you pick up this this way of thinking. And you have to be delivered from that way of thinking. You have to understand what Jesus is saying clearly. And so. Like I said, I've heard so many preachers, you know, teach that a wife can put away her husband for fornication for no, no, because you know why she can't because she does not. She is not his head. The Bible says Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of the wife. Okay, there's a divine order that must be kept. And if you teach it any other way. Now you're compromising the word of God and now you are a liar and now a liar is going to have their place in the lake of fire. According to revelations, you don't want to be a liar. You don't want to compromise the word of God. You want to get this thing right. And, and, and now look at what we got here. When you teach a spouse to put away a spouse for fornication, now you change the dynamic of the scripture and now you got all of this divorce. And guess what? Uh, stats show that. What is it? Every two out of three divorces or every three out of four divorces are fouled now by women. Okay, so now we have we have really like. Opened up this rabbit hole so big. You know, by misinterpreting scripture about or or by mis teaching a scripture, you know, so that it would be received. And that's not how you're supposed to approach the scripture. You're supposed to approach the scripture respectfully, you know, so that you can just get the truth out, not compromise it so people want to receive it. No, no. You're going to hurt some people as 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 the case. You know, when divorce takes place, you know, a lot of people are damaged for life. You know, husband, wife and children. And a lot of times the, the damage and the hurt is perpetual. It just keeps going to the next generation and the next generation. And, and, the, and the snowball effect never really stops unless, you know, they, they repent and get on track and get right with the Lord. So <clears throat> it's, it's a big deal. It's a really, really big deal that we get this marriage thing right and be delivered from television. Okay, let's look at these other scriptures. Uh, some of them are repeat statements of the same scripture and other other books. Uh, let's go to Mark chapter um, ten. You know, Jesus says that he repeats himself, though actually in Matthew chapter nineteen as well. And uh, but Mark chapter ten verses um, eleven and twelve. He says, and he says unto them, whosoever shall put away his wife and marrieth 
another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman should put away her husband and be married to another, she commits adultery. So you have to understand Jesus is, is letting you know, you know, divorce is not acceptable. You know, you get married, you stay together. You get married, you stay together. And um, let's go on to Luke. Luke 16 and 18. Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another, committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband, committeth adultery. Now, I want to I want to comment on this scripture on two points. You know, um, Jesus is serious about this divorce thing to where he wants you to he wants to block the the, the woman from re remarrying, you know. I call it uh, the bad wife intentionally so I can get a divorce of uh, uh, clause. You know, um, sometimes a woman might get married to a man and then she might regret it. OK, uh, so she might become a bad wife on purpose so that so that he would divorce her and uh, so that she can be free and then probably marry somebody else. Well, I believe that's why Jesus worded it like that. So a woman wouldn't be a bad wife on purpose, you know, but guess what? You got these grimy men who don't want to keep the commandments of the Lord. And what do they do? They marry a divorced woman. No sooner is the ink dry on the divorce decree. You know, they stand there. Oh, I'll marry you, you know, just, just, just idiots. And, uh, but the whole, the whole, ideal is for us to understand that before the romance and before the love and affection, it's about keeping the commandments of God. That's the priority being right with God first. And um, the other stuff will come if we put our priorities straight, we learn to work with what we got, work with what we got ourselves into and, and stay with it. And, um, you know, uh, men will marry a woman and then, uh, 10, 15, 20 years, they have a midlife crisis and then want to what, uh, put away their wife and get a younger woman or whatever. Can't do that. Can't do that. You know, you got to keep the wife of your youth as, uh, Malachi chapter two talks about. Okay. As uh, Proverbs chapter five talks about. Uh, so <clears throat> this divorce thing is serious business. Now, that's the first point I wanted to make. The second point I wanted to make is this is probably the most scary um, anti-divorce scriptures to me because it dawned on me one day. Uh, this is Luke 16, chapter 16, verse 18. And Jesus says this out of the blue. You know, um, in the middle of this chapter, he just says it. And it just like came from nowhere. What in the world is, where did that come from? Because if you read the chapter, the first half of the chapter, he's given a parable about something that has absolutely has has absolutely to do nothing with marriage. And then he's then he gets to verse 18 and says, whosoever puts away his wife and marrieth another committed adultery, whosoever marries her that's put away from her husband also committed adultery. 
You know, it's like, where did that come from? And then verse verse 19, on to the end of the chapter, he goes on and gives another parable that has that deals absolutely with nothing with marriage. Now, what I did figure out is what the parable before the scripture and the parable after the scripture, what it does deal with is the end times. You know, he's dealing with the end times in this chapter. So now I'm like, oh, so this scripture, Luke 16 and 18 is a warning, is a warning that during the end times, God is going to deal with divorce in a, in a serious, painful way. That's what I get from it now, because this is an end time chapter. So this scripture is not out of the blue. This is a warning. This is a hint. That God during the end times is going to deal with this divorce crisis, this divorce problem. Okay. Now let's go on to first Corinthians chapter seven. And we're going to read verse 10, but let me first say this, you know, uh, at the transfiguration, we read it already. Matthew chapter 17. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Well, one of the things Jesus said was receive Paul. So Paul's writings are to be received. Now, this is what the apostle Paul says in first Corinthians chapter seven, verse 10. He says, and unto the married, I command yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she does depart, let her remain alone or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife. So the theme is very consistent. Do not divorce. Do not divorce. Now, according to Matthew, there's only one exception, one exception and one exception only. And that's the wife that commits fornication. That's it. Now, here's something that Solomon said. He said, there's nothing new under the, under the sun. So you know what that means? You had addictions back then. You had gambling addictions back then. You had uh, alcoholism back then. You had substance abusers back then. None of those are exceptions. You have physical abuse. Verbal abuse back then. None of those are exceptions for divorce like television teaches us today. You know, television, you know, if you're not happy, get a divorce. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if she does this or if he does that, get a divorce. You know, television's always wanting to let you know that, hey, you got, you, you got a right to be happy. Get a divorce. If you think you're going to be happy being outside of the will of God, then you got another thing coming. It's not going to happen. There's pleasure in seeing for a season, but gay, you know, that season is going to come to an end and then you're going to have, you know, a whole lot of reaping uh, of what you have sold, which is corruption. Okay. So <clears throat> make no mistake about it. Um, one of the main commandments of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ is not to divorce. And so uh, you're going to have to understand this. You're going to have to make adjustments. You're going to have to detox. 
from television culture, uh, from American culture. You're going to have to understand all the advice that Dr. Phil gives and Oprah gives is not the word of God. You know, even if the audience clap. Yeah, I might. Oh, I might seem fair and righteous and, and, and ethical. Hey, but if it's not the word of God, then it's not righteous. It's not holy. You know, don't let television trick you out of your blessing, trick you out of your salvation, trick you out of your right to enter into the gate of the city in Revelations chapter 22. Okay, uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop right there. Hopefully uh, that was for somebody. Hopefully a breakthrough took place with this teaching. Um, Like I said earlier, the scripture teach, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Um, That's what this ministry is about. You know, I try to keep it 100% Bible. I know a lot of ministries say that, uh, but the best way I try to keep it 100% Bible is by interpreting scripture by scripture. I don't interpret scripture by culture, American culture or worldly culture or African culture. I don't interpret scripture by Webster dictionary. Okay. Uh, that's ridiculous. You've got to interpret scripture by scripture. And, and, and the best way to do that is with the King James version, you know, a King James version. It, it really does come together in my opinion, like nothing else. And, um, I believe it is God's most anointing, uh, anointed version of the Bible. And I know it's hard to understand sometimes, but just like anything else, you just got to work it. You got to work it to become good at it, you know? And so, you know, we can become good at sports. We can become good at singing and dancing. But when it comes to uh, the King James Version of the Bible, oh, it's too complicated. You, you don't want to work. And it's the priority of life. It's the Bible. Okay. We got to cut out all the excuses and, and get down to business. I mean, this is the priority right here. Okay. I'm about out of time. Uh, thank you for tuning in uh, to this uh, broadcast of Get Your House in Order. Again, I'm your host, Tim Aaron. You can also check me out uh, on the website, thiefinthenightministries.com. That's thiefinthenightministries.com. You can find out more about me in the ministry. And you can also post a comment or, or ask a question. I'd love to hear from you. It's thiefinthenightministries.com. Okay. Thank you once again for tuning in. Um, every Saturday. At uh, 5 p.m. Central Time on this station. Uh, tell family and friends. Okay, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in good health, even as you are so Thank you for listening to the show. We hope that you were blessed by the message from the Word of God. Come back next time for more of Get Your House in Order. I said one black morning, when this life is over, I'm gonna fly away. I'm leaving this cold world, going up yonder to that holy place. I'ma sit down, talk with Peter, sit down, talk with Paul. And I'ma say, take me to Jesus. 
The one who really paid it off for me this world Get Your House in Order is copyrighted by Thief in the Night Ministries and the Resilient Christian Radio Network.